Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. This morning for the first lesson, I will be reading the gospel reading, Luke chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. Let us listen that we may hear what God may be saying to us. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit of this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you cut it down. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Please stand for our second lesson. It'll be from Isaiah. Beginning in the first verse of chapter 55, listen now to the Word of God. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. There are no second acts in American lives. So penned F. Scott Fitzgerald in his novel, The Last Tycoon. F. Scott Fitzgerald, an incredibly gifted writer who had nothing at all, and then he had it all, and then he lost it all. F. Scott, along with his wife Zelda, lived the Roaring Twenties to the hilt. And as the U.S. hit the Great Depression, so did they. 
During the 1930s, he wrote a series of articles for Esquire. There were three articles. The title was The Crack Up. And he penned these words. The real dark night of the soul. It is always three o'clock in the morning, day after day. Again, in the dark, real dark night of the soul, it is always three o'clock in the morning, day after day. Ask him to describe a wilderness, he could paint with words the perfect picture of that. There are no second acts in American lives. There are no second acts. As a phrase I've heard often, uh, people in relationships or uh, referenced in a chapter of their lives that there were no second acts after that. But looking at Scripture, both our Old and New Testament lesson today, I think would challenge that supposition. For from these words of Isaiah and the hint that we get from Luke, that in Jesus Christ we are promised, God promises us second acts, third acts, fourth acts, fifth acts, the way we're living these days, that can happen. A season in the wilderness can lead to a second act. It can actually be a time of direction seeking, of uh, behavior changes, a new time to think new thoughts in different ways. If you like alliteration, it can be a time of discipline and direction and discernment. Let me set the stage of what we have here in Isaiah and begin with a short history lesson. The uh, piece begins uh, from Isaiah, uh, begins, I'm sorry, the history behind Isaiah begins with this, the divided kingdom. You've got Saul and Sol David and Solomon. And Solomon's son, Rehoboam, succeeds. The kingdom splits. He gets the two southern tribes, the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom has King Rehoboam, and it goes its separate way. That split occurs 922 B.C., roughly in 722 B.C. The northern kingdom falls to Assyria. They are sent into exile. They are scattered. Many of them are sent into exile, and they are scattered. The southern kingdom of Judah continues for about 140 more years. The last decade of its life in the 580s BC, Judah experiences a crack up of its own. There are three attacks, invasions, and at each time people are taken into exile. The kings are weak, there's plenty of maneuvering and politicking behind the scenes, and the real work of the kingdom is ignored. And finally, there is a final third invasion. Third time is the charm. And the people experience their own crack up that would rival anything of F. Scott Fitzgerald. They lost it all, the land, for they are conquered, their freedom, their independence. The temple, the great center of the city, a great cornerstone of their faith is completely and totally utterly destroyed. The vast majority are taken into exile into Babylon, where, where it will be 3 a.m. in the morning for many years to come. Slowly in exile, 
the people do rebuild their lives, remembering what had passed as new generations are born. And then, after about 70 years, the Persians conquer Babylon. They're always conquering each other at that time and place. Um, geographically, think of Iran conquering Iraq in terms of, of areas there. The Persians allow various conquered peoples to return to their homelands. And this later part of Isaiah looks to, speaks to, this time of restoration that, and uh, rebuilding that will come. The period of restoration and the decades that follow. These words of Isaiah are speaking to people who are getting their second act after a time in the wilderness. Encouraging them in terms of direction and discipline and discernment as they seek new direction and start new behaviors and switch thinking patterns, ways of understanding. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. A change of direction. A time to seek that new direction. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Might be off-putting at first because yes, we can find God at any time. It's a cliche, but God is just a prayer away and I do believe that. But also, there are particular times of serendipity when one is seeking and comes to a juncture and the path to a new way becomes so clear that the response can be called miraculous. A person is tired of how things are, are and that person gets the glimmer of a hope of how they can be different. A couple in their marriage, it has become a velvet prison. It's not terrible, terrible, but it's not what it could be. They attend a marriage retreat, and there's that glimmer of hope. Yes, this can be different. A couple once shared in a group a story in their lives after a dinner party. They had hosted the dinner party, and the guests had left, and they were cleaning up, and they realized there was no milk for the next day. Children were old enough to be left alone, and so they went down the corner to the, like a handy pantry just to get a gallon of milk, decided to go together. They were talking about the party, kind of digesting it afterwards, and basically said, why are we here in our lives? This is not where we wanted to be. Here we are, you know, entertaining people we don't like <laughs> and trying to impress those that we do not like to get something we probably don't need. This is not the way we wanted to be when we got started. They said they talked for about 90 minutes in the car. They said, well, I often wondered what that clerk in the handy pantry thought as he just saw us out there 90 minutes sitting in the car and talking. But from that conversation, they got a glimmer of something different that they could do with their lives. Someone is at a job and it has lost its zest. It's something for which he or she shows up. But then they get a sense of a new purpose for what is being done. And it might lead to a new career or simply the same job, but with greater vigor, vitality, zest into it. Changes can happen. New direction can come. 
During the wilderness can be a time to change behavior, to start new behaviors from this period of discipline. Let the wicked forsake their way, says Isaiah, and the unrighteous their thoughts. That's a classic item from any 12-step program to go forward, changing one's way of behavior. A classic example we have in Scripture is Zacchaeus, the wee little man who is the tax collector. He is taking advantage of people because that's what tax collectors could do then. But he wants to see Jesus. He's a wee little man, as the song goes, and he climbs up into the sycamore tree for the Lord to see. And I've got the image of the magnolia tree, easy to climb, as we have seen climbers over the decades. But anyway, imagine climbing up, 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 up into that magnolia tree and looking out to see Jesus go down First Avenue. And Jesus saying, I see you up there. Come on down. I'm going to your house today. And he is received. And Zacchaeus is so overwhelmed by this act of mercy that he says, everybody I've ripped off, I'm going to pay back. I'm going to give money that I have to the poor. He is changing his actions, changing the way he's living. It could be something as big as I've described here or simply a change in an outlook and response in speaking. I heard a gentleman speak recently. It, I mean, speaking, blogging, writing, that is his career these days. And he shared about a conversation with a friend, and he said, I have to go to San Jose to speak. And he thought to himself, why am I saying that? I mean, don't I enjoy what I do? And so he said, I get to go to San Jose to speak. I get to write this blog. I get to speak at this event. I get the chance to write this article. And he said it changed the way that he looked at what he was doing. Change of behavior. A change in thinking, ways of thinking, ways of understanding. The third D, discernment. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Let him return to the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As Isaiah is speaking to the people there, he's challenging them to see a new way of seeing themselves. They're not the victors, victims. They're not the oppressed. They're not the beat up. They've got a chance to go to a new place, but they've got to be thinking differently about who they are. There's a generation for them to raise. There's a city for them to build. They are not victims. They are recipients of God's grace. And not only that, heirs to a promise. An example there where they could be seeing, seeing things differently going forward. A story was shared with me one time about a, an Air Force pilot in v, during the Vietnam War and was shot, shot down. And he was in prison in North Vietnam. And for two years, so he's in solitary. Um, I mean, there's the beatings going on, the interrogations, all of that. And he's gutting it out. But it's why grinding him down on the inside. One morning he began differently and began this little litany. 
Good morning, Lord. I'm feeling fine. And thanks to you, I'm doing okay. Thank you, Lord, for night of rest. Thank you for sweet blessedness. Thank you for your love divine. Thank you for my peace of mind. Forgive me, Lord, for sins I've done. Forgive me for the men I've wronged. Teach me to forgive my foe and those who wish me harm. Now go with me this day. Help me to resist and say, I love my Lord and I love my land, and I'll praise them both as long as I can. Amen and thank you, Lord. He said after that, there was nothing from the outside that could get him over the five years that followed. There are second acts in life. As we look at these pieces from this time in the wilderness, time for discernment and discipline and direction, they're like threads and they weave in and out together like a tapestry where you can see the full picture, but it's hard to distinguish the individual threads. I thought again of stories of acts that followed in people's lives where all three of these come together. Imagine with me the, a young man or a man of a certain age. He is an accountant and he does well with it. In fact, so well he knows how to work the figures and begins to set aside just a little bit at a time for himself. So caught up in his work, he becomes a stranger to his family. But then another accountant is checking up on him and she sees the patterns and his work is exposed. And now he's facing a time of prison, a threat of prison, I should say. His mind goes in many directions. He begins to even plot out the worst case scenario of how he would end things. He quickly takes the family on some fun trips so those would be their last memories of their father. But in this moment of desperation, meets with the pastor, kind of one last thing, and the pastor says, we are here for you to walk with you every step of the way. You're in a ditch, but we're here for you to walk with you. The man loses the right to practice accounting, but he does not have to go to prison. Another job opens up for him, aware of past mistakes, but has a chance to work. He's able to provide for the family. He becomes involved as he grows in his faith with a Bible study in the church and eventually is asked to lead it himself as one who was wounded by himself, but wounded, can in turn now begin to heal others. A new chapter is written in his life. Imagine with me a, a woman of a certain age who has lost her focus in life. There's work responsibilities and volunteer responsibilities and community responsibilities and family responsibilities. And she has to be in a thousand and one places all at once. And her problem is she succeeds. But she's in so many places that she's wondered, where is my focus now? She wonders, and she comes across, and she reflects these words when she says, 
I want, first of all, to be at peace with myself. I want a singleness of eye, a purity of intention, a central core to my life that will enable me to carry out these obligations and activities as well as I can. A time in the wilderness for her to maybe let go of a few things, to spend some time writing, reflecting, praying, and finding from that a path with her own internal focus restored to go forward to continue to serve the folks that she wants to serve as she serves herself, to love the folks she wants to love, and to do the things she wants to do. When I think of transitions and times in the wilderness, I think of the Apostle Paul. As I've shared in other settings, it wasn't like one day he was converted and the next day he's writing the letter to the Romans. He was Saul, he was angry, he's on the road to Damascus, and he wants to persecute Christians there. He has letters of introduction that he can do just that. And the Lord knocks him off the donkey. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? He's temporarily blinded. He's directed to go to Damascus. A man prays over him. His sight is restored. He spends some time in, in Arabia, but primarily is in Damascus, becoming a leader in the local community of believers, Christian believers. He gets in trouble there. It's a setback. He's snuck out of the city. He goes to Jerusalem. Initially, the believers there are not trusting him. They remember what he has done before. Barnabas extends to him the right hand of fellowship. And so he's invited to be one with the believers. So again, he's had this setback. But then as he begins to speak to the Greek-speaking Jews about Jesus, because he is a Greek-speaking Jew himself, he is rejected again. And once again, his life is threatened. And the believers have to hustle him out of, of Palestine, back to his hometown of Tarsus modern-day Turkey, southern part of Turkey. Twelve years follow that, and Barnabas is about to go on a missionary journey, and he says, hey, I remember that guy, Paul. Let me go look him up and see if he'll come with me. Twelve years Paul spent in a wilderness of sorts in Tarsus, and we really don't know what happened there, but I believe God used that time away from things to grow him in his faith. And then he went on those journeys. And then from that, he wrote the letters that we have in our scriptures. It could be something big, bold, or something as simple as just a change, of, change in life, an aging process. Imagine a young man coming up on 30 and beginning to think through his life going, hmm, I'm making decisions now that will impact decades to follow. Am I making the right decisions? What is my focus? Imagine a woman who's come through a, a decade uh, that has not been the best for circumstances of her own life and some that she, maybe she, mistakes she made or the mistakes of others. But a new decade, a new zero comes to, the, to life and she's ready with a new attitude to take on new things. I shared this example last summer. If you, some of you came to our August uh, church family supper. And I'm not going to pronounce this because I, I killed it the first time. 
but uh, this is a bit about Japanese art, an art, Japanese art form. We have a framed copy in our library, so a shout out, check out the church library. You can see it framed up there still. That's why I went by this morning to check it out, <laughs> make sure. But this type of art, it's about this, if you can see here, and if you're filming me, wherever y'all can zoom in on this, it's about a pot. In this case, it's been intentionally broken and repaired, but it originally began from an accident. And, it ref and the term means to repair with gold. And it's the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. A time in the wilderness led to a second act for this bowl. It became a work of art. Now, I do not know where all of you are in your lives right now. You may be in a, a wilderness, or you may be going through a good time. It may be that in one area of your life, it's great. But in this area of your life, it is a wilderness. And you're kind of navigating with a foot, one in each camp, seeking to go forward. Wherever you are, Jesus Christ is there to meet you in your own valley. And if you haven't got one yet, the next one that comes along, he is there to meet you in that time of discipline and discernment and direction and there to take you to a second act, a third act, a fourth act, a fifth act. For his work is continually work of renewal and restoration. There are second chances in the wilderness. Sorry, F. Scott, you got it wrong on that one. In Jesus Christ, second acts are possible. Amen.